Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that this week has made a deal with the devil. This episode can only be released online uh, in return for the three of us having watched the film Ghost Rider Spring of Vengeance. <laughs> I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me are... James Hunt. And Reese Williamson. So yeah, guys, today we will in fact be discussing Neville Dean and Taylor's 2011 movie, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. But before... Remember Neville Dean and Taylor? That. Huh? Remember Neville Dean and Taylor? They were a thing, <laughs> weren't they, for... Uh, yeah. Well, we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, but before any of that, I'd like to ask you both for your thoughts on what if? What if I asked you for your thoughts on what if? Um, we have been covering what if on the Patreon um, as we record. The final episode was actually released today. James and I have just recorded our final um, our final Patreon episode. Um, but we thought, given that we're not devoting a full episode to it here on the uh, here on the main feed, we should we should chat it through. Um, Reese, let's go to you first. Uh, our listeners will have heard you on one episode of the Patreon when I had uh, tonsillitis. I've not heard it; I'll never hear it. Um, but what, what did what did you think of the series as a whole? All nine episodes of it. Well, I <laughs> I've only seen seven. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> um, have you have you I, not have you not seen the two part finale? Yes, exactly. You've, yeah, you've yeah. not just skipped some episodes in the middle. No, no, no. But I yeah. So I, I've I've missed the last two. I also means I haven't listened to the. In fact, the last the last two episodes of your Patreon app uh, show, um, and obviously I don't know what you think of the finale. So I think I you know well I was on the episode with James, but maybe don't know what you what you guys think after that. Um, but of the seven, you know, so not including the finale, uh, which you know only dropped only dropped today. So I'm not today when we're recording. So you know I had to watch another wonderful piece of filmed content called Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. So I couldn't quite get in the uh, what if finale. But so I'm only a week late on last week's episode. Um, and I think maybe I didn't watch last week's because I thought the one before I, I absolutely hated. I, uh, I hated it so much. Party Thor. <laughs> yes, I, I I I can't stress how how much I just thought it was terrible and boring, <laughs> and the jokes were the worst. Um, so that's maybe that's that's the most recent one I've seen. So that colours my opinion a bit. But generally, I thought it was actually really good. Um, now I you know even though I haven't seen the finale, I'm aware that there's this connective tissue so i am aware of that but i i liked it sort of felt like at least for the 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 chunk most of the season it was kind of it got the brief um i generally wasn't that bothered by the the sort of the animation style or the you know all all the the characters that weren't voiced by their original actors you know i i think it i think it 
gained a lot by having the majority of the characters voiced by by the voices. In fact, in a way, I was surprised maybe at how how much the voices I think I you know how much I felt the voices mattered. How, how you you know you forget that those characters' voices you 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 just hear as the actors, even though yeah. you've, you're not seeing their faces. That, so, that really made a difference. It turns out when Iron Man is voiced by a random guy, he, he it's different. He, yeah, mm. you you don't have the latitude for that character quite as much. Like the chari- yep. the charisma isn't there to cover up for the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think the one that me and James talked about maybe was my was one of my favourites. I thought that one was really e- properly excellent and uh, and maybe the best the best version of the show, which is sort of a the, way you can you can really dig deeper into yeah, into the, a, a piece from the this the is the worst um, episode yeah. of the series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, I, I think couldn't, for me, I couldn't believe the both of you fo- like formed over that episode <laughs> on Patreon, and then yeah, it was and then, good. And then J- James, uh, well, James then had to listen to Al and I on our um, on our chat thread, <laughs> just tearing it to pieces about why we thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, well, I liked it. If I've got one big, if I got one big, and again, I had the connective tissue stuff. I'm not, I, I'm aware of, but I can't comment on. If I've got one like crit- really proper criticism, I felt like the the and the, maybe the Thor episode is the worst version of this, but I kind of felt like the the, the humor, the, the the comedic tone or the tone. I, I I wished it had the balls to maybe be a bit more a bit more serious, perhaps. Or I felt like I just felt almost all the comedy was, you know, was was terrible. It was just sort of completely it's like a Z level imitation of <laughs> of the funny stuff in the movies, which you know the MCU movies are often funny and and good gags whereas all of the stuff in the show i thought was was kind of bad was really bad it's interesting that you say that because my least favorite episode was the first comedy episode which was the star lord one the t'challa star lord but i really like the thor episode (laughs) but i think i think this does speak to something about about that series right because like i say so reese's favorite episode was my least favorite um I think my favourites were the um, the the episode where the Avengers were being assassinated and the Doctor Strange um, episode. Yeah, those were good. Those were really good. Um, and I, I think why maybe the show has uh, succeeded on its own terms, I think, is that the episodes did have different tones and it did feel like... Mm-hmm. I was worried after the first two weeks that it was just going to be kind of like cosplays yeah really stodgy cosplays um just kind of going through the motions of this is a story that you mostly know but it's slightly different and um and i don't think it was that it felt like we got we got different you know there was there was some very serious episodes some very comedic episodes i i enjoyed the comedic ones less um but i know they worked they worked for some people and actually i quite liked I quite liked when the comedy got injected into the Marvel Zombies episode because it <laughs> it felt like a fun antidote to, to to the to the zombie world in that episode. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I guess where where it surprised me and where it was successful for me was that it was um, uh, that, that it, it it felt like there was the prospect of something slightly different each week. Um, mm. And that kept me a little bit on my toes. And it meant that the episodes that I didn't like, it didn't sour me going into next week. It was just like, oh, that one wasn't for me. I wasn't I wasn't super invested in that one. Um, and I thought it was a very easy watching show. 
that, um, like I say, it, it was a, a classic iPhone show. <laughs> I could kind of, uh, yeah, I could I could be playing on score here yeah. or on my phone at the same time. <laughs> so, are you saying are you are you saying Joe that there's a merit for TV shows that this is a brand new idea that that the, the industry this yeah. is absolutely brand new that ep- where episodes are kind of self contained. And then the next episode that follows is kind of its own distinct story. Yeah. Wow, this is this is huge. This is big. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I I said on the Patreon I think it exceeded my expectations because I really didn't think it would be my thing. Um, and especially after the first couple of weeks, I really didn't think like it would be my thing. And then uh, and then it, it ended up being, you know. I wouldn't say I felt I fell in love with it, or that I would need to, or feel the need to go back and rewatch those episodes. But um, you know, it was content. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> high praise, high praise. I had very, very low expectations of the show generally after the previous shows, and particularly of the animation. Like the animation in the trailers, I was very worried about. But I think once you once the episodes were sort of in motion, it worked really well. There were some actually like properly exciting action scenes. I thought. You see, I, I think I got to the point with the animation where I remember when we'd saw, we'd seen the first footage from the show, and we were like, "Oh, is that yeah. what it's all going to look like?" Ropey. I got to the point where it it didn't bother me. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't call the animation out as bad, but I wouldn't I didn't really think there was anything to praise in there either, and particularly like the character animation, where the, the felt like such a gulf in the wet in, you know, some characters looked exactly like the actors <laughs> that played them, and some of them you were like, did you not have the rights here? What's what's going on? And what did you guys? You know, I don't know if we want to put a little, you know, a little spoiler warning. We, d- we don't timestamp. We don't. I wanted, have, I, we don't have to spoil it. We can talk about finale thoughts broad, broadly without spoiling I think. well tell yeah then tell me I, I haven't seen it and i haven't heard the episode so what did you what did you guys think of the finale and maybe what it means you know and does that change the that your general takeaway from the show as a whole change how how you how you think if if it might interact with the rest of the mcu if there's a, a second season follow-up what did the finale change any of those thoughts you've just uh you've just laid out I mean, I would say it doesn't, the finale doesn't change my feeling about the show, which is that it's about as far from canon as they're willing to get. Um, We did have a little chat about who we think might turn up in in the future in live action. And I think we both landed on, if it's going to be anyone, it'll probably be Captain Carter. Um, But I think it's more likely it's going to remain its own self-contained thing. And I'm happy with that. I really I, enjoyed it. I think it's its own little contained uh, bit of R and D as well that they yeah, can yeah. they can test out these characters and they can test out ideas. And like I said, you know, the, the, the there are characters in the series, notable characters that would will would never make sense to bring back. Like you're not you're, you're not going to do that version of Killmonger in the MCU. It's just it's just for that show. Party Thor isn't different enough from. Uh, versions of Thor that we've seen in the MCU, so you're not going to do that. But Captain Carter, it could could that be something that you do for a scene in a in a you know as, as a cameo in the Multiverse of Madness, or or put into an episode of season two of Loki? Like, mm. yeah, why not? Um, and then the stuff like um, the the Dark Doctor Strange that you think, well, I, I'm not sure that that character would work in the MCU, but maybe that vibe or 
some of the like the, the the power set that he has, maybe that would be fun to transplant onto someone like Baron Mordo in the MCU, yeah. or you know? a possible direction for the for the actual Doctor Strange. Yeah, so I think there's, I think you know that, that I think that that stuff's interesting, and mm. in terms of the series going forwards, I think it, um, I think events of the finale convinced me that there's going to be less direct sequels next year than I thought that there might have been. I think mm. it will it will be fresh episodes. Um, and and actually, I think if there's anything that we should see from that show in live action, it's Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher, because mm. uh, he he's you know probably giving the best voice performance of the entire series. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I said I, I said another Patreon, I said another Patreon, <laughs> but I'll say it again here. For me, his his line reading of "What If" in the opening uh, credit scroll is what is incredible. It's so interesting. It's so it's sort of not what you expect. It's it's evocative. It's <laughs> that's Jeffrey mystical. Wright in I know, kind, of, it's... kind of not what you would expect yeah, is Jeffrey Wright in every you know. performance he's ever given. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's uh, he's having a big week in in the UK. We've, we you know, we've seen the Bond film open last last week. He's in it. Yeah. He's pretty fun in it. Um, plus this, um, yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright's great. More Jeffrey Wright. Would love to see him in uh, in the future stuff. Can I ask you guys? You know, almost if, if we're at the end of this, maybe like a sort of a <laughs> like a half pitch. I'm just wondering, season two of you know, assuming a season two of What If comes out next year, so you know we, we will only have those additional films um, that are released between now and then. What's the maybe not? You don't have to pitch me an actual What If, but like, is there is there a character or a little pocket of of the MCU that, that the established MCU that you'd particularly like to see kind of What Ifified? You know, that you felt like didn't get the didn't get a, a due in in this first season. War Machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. Great. Bring Go. him back. Emmy nominated. Don mm. Cheadle. Give him his own. Give him his own show. Yeah. Joe. Uh, give me a Yelena. What if? Maybe what if Yelena had been the one that had that had joined the Avengers? Or oh, that's good. Um, that's good. What if? Uh, what if Shang Chi had lost that fight to the Mandarin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know, I'm trying to think of more recent... I, I, I said in the Patreon as well, I'd quite like to see... Like, if there are any MCU stories that almost happened that didn't happen, um, you know, that you know, like when there are leaks of, oh, the, the, you know, Marvel might be doing this, or we might be seeing this character, or that is, or this villain was written into this script but then written out. Like, let's do Iron Man 3, where Interesting, Rebecca yeah. Hall is actually the villain, you know? I was, like, I was literally about to say they could do that version of Iron Man 3. Yeah, um, a pre-rewrite version, and I think I think that what they've what they've set the blueprint down for in this first series is, um, you know, that there is there's there's enough range in the idea that you can do lots of stuff with it. Um, and yeah, James was saying about could we get characters from that have not appeared in the MCU yet? You know, could we do that? Um, and whether that is characters mm. that the MCU don't intend to use, like, could we go back and do the Inhumans properly this time? You know, um, <laughs> well, how would the Duck right established, but you know, what, uh, uh, what if how the Duck episode could be fun? Just a full yeah, episode with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, going through the events of the um, George mm. Lucas movie. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, do your but, do your MCU TV rankings? I'm not, I not. I, uh, that's the other thing that we were talking about. I kind of don't consider it as canon because even though it is, <laughs> even though it is canon, it's like because it's a multiverse and you can kind of say anything is now. Um, mm. I don't really oh, consider boy. it MCU canon, so I I will be 
abstaining from putting it in my rankings, but it was my second favourite uh, Disney Plus show so far. After Loki, Loki number one mm-hmm. with the bullet. Yeah, after <laughs> hard bullet. After one division. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, canon, canon aside, I think one division better constructed, better as an artistic piece. I'm more likely to rewatch What If, and then the other two can get in the bin. <laughs> 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 okay, let's move on to this week's comic book movie and TV news section. Um, and we're starting off with some legal chat. Um, Exciting. Lots of legal chat recently. Hey, Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled. Um, Yay! <laughs> so... I love it when the little guy will get win $20 million. <laughs> Uh, so, um, Deadline is suggesting that the settlement gave Scarlett Johansson around $40 million, which, you know, is, is not insignificant when you, when, you know, when they were coming out and saying, we paid a 20 million for this movie, you know, that's like, that's like what, you know, say one of us is on, I don't know, 30 grand a year. That's like our boss coming back at, okay, you can have 90. That's pretty significant, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, so but also it's Disney, so it's still chump change. It's it is chump change to them. And you know, we talked about this when it when in, when the the falling out first happened. It feels like that, you know, if if she was suing for up to fifty million dollars in lost revenue and they settled at forty, um, you know, all Disney really saved themselves there was legal fees. So Actually, what this seems like it was about was what we speculated it might have been was keeping all of that information out of court, not not having to publish all of Disney Plus's uh, viewer and subscriber info, and you know how many how many people watch the whole movie, and and getting into all those deals because not only does the general public find out, but so do all of the other Disney stars who you know, might be wanting to negotiate (laughs) contracts now that, you know, if Disney are going to Sam Jackson and saying, you know, secret invasion, um, you know, we want to pay you this and maybe there'll be a movie coming after it. Or, you know, Anthony Mackie, hey, Captain America 4. And Anthony Mackie's like, okay, but are you you actually going to release it in cinemas? Um, Let's get that written into my contracts about what it's going to cost you if you don't. Um, so, um, I mean, the, uh, yeah. the other thing I think this, this, uh, perhaps speaks to is Disney betting how much they can make out of Scarlett Johansson in the future. Cause if they, yeah. if they didn't pay her for this one, they weren't going to work with her again. Right. Should we, should, we now... read, should we read the statements, James? Well, quite. Do you remember how aggressive Do the, the statements voice. Do the voice. when they came out? <laughs> Wait, what's mm. the voice? Is, what, Mickey? Just, I don't know. I don't know. Do a, do a... <laughs> Do a Scarlett Johansson voice, breathy, breathy. What did Peter Bradshaw say, right? Yeah. Do that. In, in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very pleased that we've been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow. Said Disney Stu- Oh, no, it was Alan Bergman in his own statement. <laughs> Shit. But Mickey was reading it for him. Um, <laughs> we appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. Woohoo! So yeah, they're working. They're working together on Tower of Terror, and uh, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. whose voice I'm not going to do, said, "I'm happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredible, incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years, and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come." So yeah, Tower of Terror yeah, is the it's not, is, it's not is quite, the next one. It's not quite. Uh... 
you know, to ask for more money after so many people have died of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> is it? It's, uh, it is funny though, isn't it? That, you know, because I, I, and I think at the end of the day, all of those statements, no one will care about and no one will remember 12 months from now. Yeah. When, when Tower of Terror is coming out, no one's going to be like, but Disney said that Scarlett Hansen didn't care about people dying. and that's and that's also why this was been this this was always what was going to happen but this was also completely beneficial for both parties in that not so you know as well as all of the kind of grubby just the details of contracts and numbers and things not not wanting to be out there probably on both sides actually um you also just don't you know part of you know part of part of the hollywood sort of uh, you know icon icon perception hollywood stars is what they what they are selling is especially with especially with disney right it's sort of family friendly you know squeaky clean it's it's mickey it's uh, and scott scott scarlet obviously johansson obviously a little bit of a different brand but you know doesn't want to just doesn't want to get in the mud on this stuff and Does, you know wants her money tea. so so you know when you know ballsily went went for it and got because if you know, I think my memory is that she the original statement was saying as well as Joe said, like they fifty million was lost and pretty much got the majority of that. So good, you know, kind of good honor. But but it was always a set. It was always a settlement play, and it was always going to end like this. And this is everybody wins, really. I guess, <laughs> I guess, and including us, we get to win. see Tower of Terror. Yeah, cool. <laughs> good for us. There's a Tower of Terror movie. Also, this 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 was news when this was news. I'm I'm kind of into the idea of a Tower of Terror movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Um, uh, it's, it's second, I think we can do this pretty quickly, but second bit of Marvel legal news is... Oh no, this one is way more interesting. Sorry. Well, well, you... so, well, so you tell me if it is way more interesting, because I feel... Well, like, I will. I feel like I've read this story, you know, ten times in the past, and it always ends the same way. Um... Marvel have filed several lawsuits to maintain their copyrights over some of their best-known superheroes. Um, And the lawsuits are directed at the heirs of the creators of these characters, including Stanley, Steve Ditko, and Gene Colan. Um, Marvel is seeking declaratory relief, um, claiming that because these characters were created as work for hire, that they are ineligible for copyright termination, which is an argument that Marvel has tended to use in the past. So Steve Ditko's estate has filed for a termination notice on uh, Spider-Man. Um, and there is also um, a termination notice being filed on Black Widow. Um, so, Reese, tell me why this is more interesting. Tell me why the, this work-for-hire argument that has held up in the past might not hold up here. No, I, no, I, no. To be clear, I think the outcome will be the same. Okay, <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I don't know. It just, it just, it's just a bummer. I don't know. It, it just, um, you know, these copyright. It's sort of a reminder that that laws are, oh, you know, these enshrined laws that are set up for various noble reasons, and and you know, the and X, Y, and Z, and the, the outcomes will be in many years. And but this is the right thing to do. And here are the reasons. Great. And then all of a sudden, when the rubber meets the road. The money and interests are strong enough on one side. Like, oh, we, uh, maybe we're going to actually change uh, change some of those uh, some of those consequences. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, you know, you got that. What's the you got the hundred year thing, right? Where you know things go out of. Yeah, I might be wrong on this, but 
things go out of US copyright just after 100 years of them having been published, right? They <laughs> yeah, just go into the public it domain. Be, it used to be used to be smaller, years. exactly, it right? Used and then to it increased. Be 50 years or something, yeah. And exactly. It keeps getting bumped up. So because this is, of Disney, we can point out. Yeah, exactly. it's, like, it's because, this is because Mickey, of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse right? specifically mm -hmm. is, is yeah. you know, Disney, Disney off the. They, they are going to be happy to pay the legal fees on that, you know, ad infinitum. I, I, I seem to remember it's like the same thing as like Microsoft do with with Microsoft Word and like competition law and stuff like that. It's, you know, they're, they're just like, just just refile and refile and keep it in court. Because it's, just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's cheaper than the alternative. Just to and offer a sort of a similar parallel is that there are elements of Sherlock Holmes which are now out of copyright, right? So anyone can do certain versions of Sherlock Holmes without, right, the, yeah. without the approval of the Conan Doyle estate, which is interesting. That's right. I, I think I, the, the I think one like that... Enola Holmes or, or the um, the net, the other Netflix show with yeah. the little the teens. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like those were un, unaffiliated with the estate. I think. Yeah, and one, was, one of and them the, was. And the, the estate had sued or had, had, had was making noises to sue at least because they were mm. like. Well, there is there is in a story a, an implication that Sherlock might have a sister, so <laughs> uh, you could you could infer from that that the the estate owns these rights. The one that the, the one that I always found really interesting was when um, Sam Raimi, um, a figure who's going to be uh, repeatedly mentioned on this podcast, I think for the next six months or so, um, when Sam Raimi uh, made Oz the Great and Powerful. Mm. Um, that was a, I believe that's a Disney movie, right? Um, whereas The Wizard of Oz was made by MGM. MGM. And Di uh, uh, Disney had the rights to make a Wizard of Oz movie, but they didn't have the rights to replicate um, elements that were original to the Wizard of Oz adaptation. Mm -hmm. So... There was like very specific stuff, like their Wicked Witch of the West had to have slightly a slightly different coloured green skin because that shade of green was owned by <laughs> MGM. And you get in, you get into some like wild territory with that kind of stuff, um, where yeah, and and, mean... and, it, and it becomes particularly difficult, you know, in in like that scenario where you've got a movie that is better known than the source <laughs> material. Um, but what you've got the rights to is adapting source material, not elements that were just in the movie. Well, this is just to, just to swing it back around to comics. There are a couple of examples like um, one is that Alan Moore used a version of the Invisible Man in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But his version of the Invisible Man couldn't be wrapped in bandages because that was something mm -hmm. in the movie that was still in copyright, whereas the original yeah. novel of the Invisible Man wasn't. Right, which is why in the comics his version wears grease paint. <laughs> and we, you know, we, we lament, we lament the sort of IPization of of all media, right? And and, and that it, it's like that now, or, or it's, it's it's that's that climate is because of, or partly because of of all these copyright things, right? In that in that if 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 these copyright claims weren't weren't quite so binding for all of time to these. Yeah to these media conglomerates, well, then perhaps, you know, perhaps these these media conglomerates would be forced to, I don't know, 
create more new ideas. Wow, what a crazy, <laughs> what a crazy thought. And so I, you know, and it's I all the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same issue. And right? I and totally it, agree with that. But I can also, I, I can also put myself in the in the shoes of a Marvel reader who's saying, you can't, you can't take Spider Man away from Marvel. That like. I read Spider-Man comics in the Marvel. That that's what it's always been. Don't don't do that. Yeah. Um, well, the the reality of this though is that the thing that's going to happen is what happened with Superman, which is that they will come to an agreement that you know properly credited and paid for Spider-Man can or you know these Ditko characters can continue appearing in Marvel comics, and the the estate of Ditko will be well compensated. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all. And it's you know, it's just as calculated from it, what's not happened. What's not happened here is that the Ditko estate, you know, young I don't know, great great grandson of Steve Ditko has gone. You know what? This copyright's almost due. I've got these really some really great ideas for <laughs> for Doctor Strange and Spider Man. I want to I want to have the copyright back, and I want to I want to create the kind of stories that I don't think they're making over at Marvel that would be amazing. That's not what's that's not what this <laughs> is. This is it's as calculated from either side, isn't it? Yeah. Really, so. Yeah, especially because I don't, I don't believe Ditko ever cared about the Spider-Man rights. Like, as far as he was concerned, he did that job for Marvel, you know, mm. working with Stan Lee. He had his own stuff going on afterwards, and he wasn't interested in revisiting any of that. And the didn't what? consider himself the owner. So it's interesting then yeah. for his, you know, descendants to go, well, actually, we we think we're own this. So the it, wider you know, copyright Who are you, the Marvel is, lawyers, James? Well, I'm just saying, it's murky <laughs> on both sides, right? The wider copyright stuff, I think, is really interesting as well, that, you know, within the next 20 or 30 years, the amount of characters that, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, across comic books and, you know, like, um, you know, talking about watching the latest James Bond movie this week. Well, uh, you know, at some point, if you know if current laws stay in place every, everyone's going to be able to make a james bond yeah, movie pretty that, soon you're going to be able to make a bond movie as long as you don't use any elements that are introduced in later bond movies and that but and that, that happened once with never say never again and, yeah. and um you know that movie doesn't exist and it shouldn't be thought about um <laughs> <laughs> so that's and that's what i mean about the side of me that goes kind of like mm. ah, there is something about just those those things being owned and protected by the people that uh, I don't know. Do they have their best interests? Maybe create it sometimes creatively have their best interests. Are um, it would be weird, right? If, if Mickey Mouse went into the public domain and just you know that brand just got completely fucking tarnished, right? Because yeah, you know the it's... first thing that would happen would be someone would be making Mickey Mouse porn. I mean, people are already <laughs> making Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah that's the difference. That definitely exists. <laughs> Open yeah, your damn but, eyes, Joe. Go yeah, on but it's, <laughs> it's like legalizing marijuana, right? There'll be we'll be reco- we'll be covering it on the podcast if that happens. But at the moment, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was that was legal corner. Um, <laughs> next, um, I want to talk illegal to you. Legal corner? Uh, no, this is uh, maybe that was illegal corner, and this is legal. Anyway, this is Sandman. Um, so. <laughs> The first look at Sandman was released uh, from uh, Netflix, and we got about a, f- a minute of footage in a trailer, um, which didn't mean an awful lot to me um, as someone who doesn't really know Sandman. And then there were some character posters released. Uh, we got to see Death and Dream and Desire, 
And uh, guys, if you could talk about all of this for a couple of minutes, I'll, mm-hmm, sit, mm-hmm. Back, I'll, I'll sit back mm-hmm. and listen because I mm-hmm. genuinely who, who can't add anything. <laughs> Uh, I've never read Sandman, so all I would okay, all all I would say is, uh, you know, as a long-term comic reader, unlike Joe, I've I've been aware of Sandman for. I think I've read the first volume actually, to be fair. But anyway, I, you know, you've you're aware. I started reading comics when I was whatever fourteen. You're you're aware of Sandman. I was aware of Sandman. I don't know why I never read it. Uh, and then I watched this trailer, and and my only thing I thought was, oh, the guy looks like the guy, the Sandman guy. Yeah, looks a lot. The, the face and the hair. Yeah, looks like the Sandman guy. There you go. That was my kind of uh, extreme was, takeaway from that trailer. I was not massively stoked by this trailer, but I I have a history of being not stoked by trailers and then loving the final product. So we'll see. Um, I don't, it did look. It looked a bit hammy to me. You know, Sandman, and again, maybe maybe the the wider audience. Sandman just has such a is so so revered in at least mm-hmm. in comics sort of circles, right? And and I just it felt a little bit just just like a slightly generic Netflix trailer for some for anything, yeah. Rather than you know like a hey we're we're adapting you know it's James, imagine if, this, if if they adapted Sandman ten years ago or, or just yeah ten years ago twenty years ago the kind of level of reverence of like oh hey guys we're making fucking Sandman. And and the the first time you saw footage would have would just have so I think would have would really be sold and there'd be a weight and it would be it would feel important and this was like yeah we hey we hey tune into our thirty hour tadum you know uh, marketing <laughs> infomercial and for for ninety seconds we'll show you this you know the the face of the guy that looks like the guy in the comic of the and he's so got the same face as I the did guy. I did want to ask this about tadum actually um, <laughs> tadum <laughs> good night good good I mean to be fair. You got to get to them. I, I, I thought it was bad. I hate it. Good name. Great name. <laughs> Wonderful name. Um, best name. The greatest name. <laughs> um, did Tadum have the same <laughs> kind of impact that the Disney Plus thing did? No, no not, not, right. not. I'm just. Slightly. I just needed to check because <laughs> it didn't get on my radar at all. Um, but then you know I was paying attention to the. You know, I was paying attention to the Disney one because of this podcast. So just wanted to check. But it did it did have that vibe to me of I don't know, you you maybe read the news article about the thing that you care about, but you're not sitting there refreshing your Twitter feed going, What are they announcing next? Oh, what have they tadumed? <laughs> What's the latest tadum? <laughs> yeah. Um I mean for me for me, right, the thing about the trailer is the trailer sort of puts into live action one of the early scenes in the comic, which is them capturing Dream and just being sort of surprised that they got Dream and not Death, mm. uh, which is, you know, the ve- the very start of the Sandman story. That's how it begins. Okay. Um, for me, what I would have preferred to have seen something is something that would have sold the scope of Sandman because this was so, it was so small and probably deliberately... You know, they were going like, hey, look, this is accessible. Here's here's the premise. Like they were trying to catch they were trying to catch a god and they got this thing instead. And uh, is this like, just pre- is this preacher? Uh, and but what I mean by that I is hope, that, I hope not. I just wonder. I, wonder, I can't imagine with Gaiman's involvement, I can't imagine it will be that. But for me, 
Is it, I like, guess when I when guess... someone says Sandman to me, I think of like um, a giant yeah. epic mm. spanning centuries, and this just looked like a sort of hammy low budget horror. Yeah. Like, does yeah. I, I I guess that's that's the question for Sandman. Does it is it able to break out because? You know there are, there is so there there is so much content, and even when I think of like you know the other game and adaptations, you know I, I'm sure like American Gods has its audience and Good Omens has its audience, but they are niche genre audiences. They're not you know that it, it's not a Stranger Things or it's, it's not no Squid Game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I guess that's and and I think what you're both saying is. You know, if this show had been made ten years ago, it would be being presented as the biggest thing. Yeah, I think I think so. It's a bit like I mean, why the last man? I think has a similar yeah, which we haven't we have. I I mean, I haven't watched yet, but I do plan on. But it's got that same flavor to it, which is. But that says a lot, doesn't it? That that you haven't watched it yet. Yeah, exactly. But, but I haven't watched ago, last you, episode of What If either. You would have <laughs> Instead, watched Instead, I watched Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> to, remind, to remind the groups. Ghost Rider Spirit of the Old Vengeance. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. On the on the Sandman thing, I'm still really... I think I'm still really excited about Sandman, I think. Um, I think there's reasons to be... You know, back to the is it preacher thing. You know, I, I think if, if I had... If my, if my gut question of have Netflix really, you know... Would Netflix have really gone for a big spend on sat on like friggin' Sandman? I'm like, mm. I think I'd go yes, and you know, because it's because also Preacher was what AMC, you know, which yeah, is a, yeah. a cable network. Netflix is the num. Netflix is different. Netflix can can spend more, can go bigger. Have they gone bigger here? My gut goes yes, but this first trailer or first look or whatever, it was a very inauspicious, you know, sort of first introduction and it makes you question that but I st- my gut still goes i'm excited storage is you know storage is so it is he's he's not terrible you know he could be good and game is involved and there's money there and it's a big brand and so you know it could it could could still be big and proper and a big thing we'll but, have but, to wait and see on, on yes, the sandman um, final bit of news here. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton, who uh, recently directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh, for Marvel, uh, will be directing and executive producing a series based on the Gene Luen Yang 2006 graphic novel, American Born Chinese. Um, this... Can I jump in on this one? Yeah, well, I was what I was just going to say is this feels... Just, just looking at it on the on the surface, this makes more sense to me that this is his upcoming project than it did when he was working on Shang Chi. Uh, the reason I included this is because I think that, well, you know, so I uh, audience peek behind the curtain. I sort of put the news stories in that we talk about, uh, and so really, I, you know, I'm in charge. Um, <laughs> but the reason I include this is because I think you know we can be over the year, maybe we're getting more negative on some of this stuff, and we're getting a little maybe more cynical, more more frosty, more you know the fact that we talked about like legal arrangements on this episode. Anyway, anyway, this to me is like the best version of what can happen in this giant sort of comic book machine, right? Cretton makes these interesting an interesting indie movie uh, couple um, or gets brought in to do Chang Chi at Disney. 
Um, it's, you know, I think we said this on our Shang-Chi episode, you know, there's not a lot of Daniel, Dustin Daniel Cretton in the movie that you'd say is not, his fingerprint isn't exactly on it that we can see. Um, but then, you know, he's in that system and now he, he's attached to make a Disney plus, uh, movie based on this, this really well-regarded, um, graphic novel, you know, so sort of, you know, same adaptation medium. It just feels like a... Like, oh, this is how this is how I'd like it to work more, right? You know, come in, mm-hmm. make the Marvel movie, then that same kind of money, that same big Disney pool of money can be used to, to adapt to another wonderful, you know, an interesting graphic novel by one of these directors and get a big and get a you know, get a get a bigger audience than it might have done otherwise if it went indie. Sure, this yeah. is just I like I thought this was a good feel good story on this great content machine that we that we we involve ourselves with. And uh, this yeah. and this is a Disney Plus show. It, it it also does maybe have a little bit of a feel of the old style, one for them, one for us. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess um, I'm happy for him. I wish, uh, as as with all of these things, I wish they were movies rather than TV shows. But mm-hmm. um, when they're on streaming services, um, TV shows keep you on the service for longer. So. Um... <laughs> And this, the writer of this, I mean, James, I think this is right. The writer of this graphic novel, he went on to write Superman, right? And and he, then write New Superman, which was the Chinese American Superman. Like, so yeah, there's all this did, kind of um, fun connected. He issue. did a very good graphic novel, which mm. was an adaptation of a Superman radio show from, I think, the 40s called mm. Superman Smashes the Clan. Uh, that's a very good oh, book. Oh, yeah. Um, he also did the most recent Shang-Chi volume, I think. Mm. He certainly did the one that introduced Shang-Chi's sister, um, which again, pretty good. So Mm. I've not read American Born Chinese, but I can believe based on his other work that it is good. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Excellent. So that um, that is this week's comic book movie and TV news. Uh, we'll make we'll move on now to our main discussion of Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. 
Uh, let's take a listen to the trailer and then we'll be back with our spoiler-filled thoughts on the movie. This thing... There's no conscience. Just hunger. The rider's going to come out. But when he does, he'll destroy whoever's got it coming. He'll take on a new form. One more powerful than he's ever known. Okay, so that was the trailer for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. And guys, I am so excited. It feels like it's been a while since we've had the opportunity to talk about a true utter piece of shit on this podcast. Because <laughs> that is what the sequel to Ghost Rider is. Um, I feel like it's been a long time since we covered the first Ghost Rider on this podcast. But my memory of that is that it is whilst not the best superhero movie in the world and probably, you know, feels like a product of the mid-2000s, it's kind of fine. Um, and Nick Cage is doing some fun stuff in it. And, that you know, it, it, it was... It was something that I at least, you know, enjoyed watching. Whereas this movie, it's just, yeah. it's just like borderline. If anyone hasn't watched it and is listening to this podcast, don't go watch it. <laughs> don't do it. No. Well, like the first, the first Ghost Rider has that kind of sort of Daredevil era, you know, Blade kind of. Yeah. Looks a bit slick, is basically competent, but trying to be cooler than it is. Like the post-Matrix years. Whereas this one is just... I remember it being more interesting than this. Do you? Yeah. Like, it's been a long time, admittedly, since I watched it. But I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, some reasonable name directors, you know, a bit more adventurous story. And actually, it's just... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk... Just dull as, dull as fuck. We'll talk literally. about Neville Dean and Taylor, because I was... I remember when this movie was being made... I remember kind of being in the mindset of the first movie was fine, but it didn't need a sequel. But actually, if you're going to make a sequel, yeah, bring in Neville Dean and Taylor in mm. 20, in 2011. That made a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Reese, had you, you, this was your first time around with this movie? Hadn't seen Ghost Rider, colon, Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, hadn't seen Ghost Rider, no colon. Uh, that's the, that, just that's the title. Oh, you've never seen, seen you, you've never seen, seen Ghost Rider? No. Uh, watch this, watch this movie for the first time, you know, 
uh, two hours ago, three and a, three hours ago, and finished minutes before we start recording. Um, so fresh in the old, fresh in the old memory hole. Uh, although I can't remember anything about it really. <laughs> um, no, I can, I can, I can remember the really the the all the bad the shitty stuff. I I think the first twenty minutes I I, I enjoyed. I think I think mm. I thought, oh okay, this is it's sort of lean and it's just uh, you know it's sort of establishing the you know the story kind of really really quick. We've got Idris Elba, who who I've said on this podcast, I think is is bad, uh, and has never given a good film performance. Yes, but um, after this, saying this film, that, after saying that, you did say he was the best thing in Suicide Squad. Yeah, so Suicide Squad changed it for me a bit, <laughs> but, but but if we go back to a pre-Suicide Squad kind of yeah. uh, reality where he's never given a good film performance, this film uh, doesn't hasn't changed hadn't changed that uh, in the timeline. He's dreadful <laughs> in this. So I did, but first twenty minutes, or it might even be like more like first like twelve minutes. I, you know, yes, he's being bad, but for me in my head, like, well, he's you know he's bad so fine he's the accent is you know whatever <laughs> but you know fine but i like i felt like you know okay lean we're gonna do you know and I, I don't know about james but for me my kind of ghost rider real like oh ghost rider is really cool like that moment happened with the jason aaron comic for me personally mm-hmm. Which is, you know, Jason Aaron uh, was kind of his one of basically his first, I think, big series at Marvel, and it was so cool. And it, you know, and it was ages ago. It's probably that's probably ten plus years ago. No, I know, maybe eight, eight, ten years ago. Or so that that run that, and I haven't read it since. But my memory of that run in the comics is, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's all about it's the, you know, it's, obviously the visual is incredible. Um, you've got this kind of sort of uh, angsty, emotional piece to it when he's in the Johnny Blaze form, uh, and then, but but particularly, it was about you know it was him interacting in 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 the, the sort of parts of the Marvel Comics universe that you don't see, you know, you don't see as invigilated, right? It's not in New York City. New York City, it's in like these kind of biker towns and uh, and redneck areas, and it's in the Midwest and all that. Just the, that milieu. I remember just felt really fun. There was all this mythology stuff. So I had, so I came into this movie with that, with that, you know, vested, you know, with that sort of baked in. And then the sounds first 12 minutes like were okay. The, sounds to me like you only enjoyed the first movie. Well, maybe. And then, and then basically I think what happened in this film was the director started to um, do things. And uh, <laughs> I thought, oh no, oh no. Oh, you have, yeah. you've mis, you have misunderstood, uh, maybe not misunderstood, but you have, Maybe that's worse. Is that they haven't misunderstood the assignment. They have, they have failed so, so dramatically. So sort of a, so kind of uh, unabashedly, they failed. Um, they failed at what they wanted to do, and they've really gone for it. You know, so, if there's anything you can say about this film, it's there's an ambition. I think there's an. Amb- I think that's the word I'd use. Just about there's a or, or a, <laughs> there's an ambition to the filmmaking choices, but they, and they are big choices, yeah. and they boy do they. Boy, do they not land. So, Boy, do they not land. I wonder I wonder if it's actually, like... Because I remember when this movie was coming out, right? So, Neville Dean and Taylor will do, will do a quick uh, a quick kind of retrospective on those two. Their big breakout is Crank in 2006, which they write, direct, shoot. Uh, they're the cinematographers on, they executive produce. Like, it's their thing. And it's, uh, you know, like a surprise hit and then they get Crank High Voltage, which comes out and kind of, I think, is slight a slight diminishing return sequel, but is probably better than it had any right to be. And, I, and I've got to say, right, I like 
or certainly when I watched the Crank movies in the mid-2000s when I was a teenager, I liked them in spite of, I think, some pretty uh, grim, horrible stuff. <laughs> I'm not... I'm, 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 <laughs> You know, I'm not certain, but I think they've both been cancelled. They are um, very racist and sexist, and yes. I, I remember when they came out thinking, like, I would like this movie were it not so racist and sexist. Yeah, but the, 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 the again, the you know, the directors are taking big swings in those movies. Um, yeah, there's you know, like there's a big like animated kaiju fight at the end of um, <laughs> Crank High Voltage, and you know, just basically the idea of going, what if speed, but it's his heart rate instead of instead of, uh, you know, keeping a bus above a certain speed. And then in the sequel going, well, what if we just have watched Jason Statham run around electrocuting himself for the duration of a movie? Is that entertaining? The answer is kind of, yeah. Um, And then they make Gamer with um, Gerard Butler, um, (laughs) which I haven't seen, but I think was, you know, a slight disappointment coming off the Crank movies. Um, if I'd have known this, I'd have probably suggested we wrapped it up in this episode. They're then right, Jonah Hex, um, which is obviously um, <laughs> a Marvel movie that we <laughs> could maybe cover at some DC. point in this podcast. Oh, is it DC? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, because he was in uh, was he, he was in Legends of Tomorrow, wasn't he? <laughs> and listen, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the cast Happy of this movie. Josh Brolin, John Malkovich, Megan Fox, Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Michael Shannon, Wes Bentley, Aidan Quinn, and Lance Reddick. I mean, like, me. fuck, that's, me. that's, pretty, that's pretty good for a real piece of shit um, <laughs> Jonah Hex movie. Uh, but they write that but don't direct it. And then Ghost Rider is the first movie that they end up directing but not writing. And indeed, the last movie they ever direct as a team. Yes, the last movie they, they direct as a team. So they, they go off and work separately after this. Um, uh, Mark Neville Dean, who um, is also interestingly married to Alison Lohman in real life. And it was mm. kind of around the time that they got married that she uh, stopped acting, uh, which I think is a real shame because she was fantastic. Um, but he's directed the Vatican tapes since then. Um and has been has is announced as a director on a project called Panama, and then Brian Taylor has gone on and um, done uh, Mom and Dad, which obviously also starred Nicolas Cage, uh, which he wrote, directed, and produced, um, and also the TV series uh, Happy, which was a Grant Morrison thing. It was. Um, so yeah, is, it, there an, it, is there an argument? Sorry, you go, you go. I was going to say it ends their directing partnership, um, and I think it really did end up because it really did feel like we were riding a wave with these guys. That, mm. and I remember at the time thinking, like, this is genuinely the perfect fit for you know, like I thought the first Ghost Rider was a bit bland and disappointing, but it had Nicolas Cage doing some weird stuff, and it just felt like that it would be the perfect mix for them. But then that that note about them not writing, I think, is the major red flag for me because mm-hmm. it just feels like it feels like the wrong mix of script and director. Like it, like there, I, I think there is probably a, a, I don't know whether a good, but a much better Neville Dean and Taylor Ghost Rider movie, but not one that's been written by. Our favourite, David Escoya. Sigh. DSG. DSG. 
Um, just... Genuinely, when I saw his name come up in the credits, I went, oh, right, okay. Of course. Well, I mean, you know, uh, sidebar, uh, I've just been, I've just watched the first two episodes of Foundation on Apple TV Plus, which is so good. Uh, and it's a Goya joint. So I'm we- I'm in a really kind of a pro Goya moment in my life. But um, no, this movie stinks. The script sucked. <laughs> and broadly um, his work in, 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 you know, is when, bad, yeah. when it, well, when it comes up on our podcast, but yeah, broadly and anything <laughs> has been, has been pretty bad. I, d- I don't think the problem with this movie is the, direct, is, the is the script. Uh, actually, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll I don't know. I'll be the sort of counterweight to, to, to I don't, you, Joe. Or I, don't even, I don't the, even. I don't even think the, it's, the it's a bad script. A it's just that the, two, the direction is a complete failure. I just don't think the uh, two match each other at all. I, I think I agree the direction is a failure, as you know, as 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 directors of this script, it doesn't work, and tonally. It like it feels like a script that is doing a pretty straight down the line, serious kind of like I, d- I like I, I I just found like the actual story really dour, and then it felt like it it maybe had a couple of improvised lines that were throwing a bit of comedy into there to try and pep it up in between all of the dour stuff, and then Neville <laughs> Dean and Taylor going. Yeah, Cage's mad performance. And then Neville Dean and Taylor going, um, like, we're directing Kick-Ass here, right? That's, that's the script we've got. We've got <laughs> it is the, the bit where Ghost Rider pisses on stuff. And it's pisses like but Again, I think, I think in a movie where that's, where that, that like, that could feel tonally consistent. Uh, yeah. Uh, him, if, yes, if piss, had, pissing a flamethrower. If the scripts had been matched to the directors, for sure. But you know, surely part of the job of being good directors is is bringing to life the the story within the script, not just trying to go at odds with it. I should I, I should also say I'm not I'm not defending the directors here. I think it's badly directed and yeah. badly written and a bad mix of direction and writing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like, yeah, Nicolas Cage is doing some mad, mad acting. And again, I can like I could just picture him on set with Neville Dean and Taylor who are the crank directors and they're saying oh we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and it's good and this is gonna look like this and he's gonna be pissing fire and Cage is going oh yeah amazing this is yeah so I can just go bug nuts here right and do all of the mad shit that I wanted to do in the first movie and they're like yeah Nick do it all do it all and then that that performance doesn't fit the story either <laughs> I just okay <sighs> The, the script is bad and boring, but at least the I feel like Goya, you know, kind of I would say, you know, does a sort of competent version at least of what he's asked to do. Perhaps for me, the the issue is is that is the you know the direction it's that stuff it's that stuff towards the end or not towards the end. It's that it's those like decay fight scenes or <laughs> or, or 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 actually any of the action sequences with Ghost Rider. Those Can long I... pauses on his face, and it's like. It's like they've 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 thought you know that's not a script thing like that's a sort of a that's a their choice thing. Can I make and an analogy? A, it's a bad choice, and it's and the execution is so awful. I think that it sinks what, the whole movie. You know, I it think what, the whole movie. Goya, it's not the fault. what Goya's doing is the Whedon cut of Justice League, which is bad <laughs> sure. because it's boring and straight down the middle. And what Neville Dean and Taylor are doing 
is Batman v Superman, which is bad <laughs> because Zack, Zack Snyder is taking swings that are missing. And this and this movie is both. Yeah, but this is what the the, the failure of uh, this is a less watchable movie than Batman vs. Yes, and these are and these are less competent filmmakers than Zack Snyder. And and I and and, and, and (laughs) who'd have thought we'd be saying that? (laughs) Watching this hours ago, I I genuinely couldn't remember or wasn't sure whether I just assumed that Neville Neville Dean and Taylor had gone on to make more movies. I think in my head, I knew about I knew Gamer, and I just I knew I just thought like oh they they went on to do other stuff, right? But to, but you know to hear you say like this was their last or to hear James said this was their last film together, yeah. in a way, it totally fits because it's almost like, it's almost like a it's a rep it, the movie is a sort of a, a repudiation is that right? is that word right? It's a, the movie itself is a rejection of any of these people of any of these two guys' ideas of how to make films. Yeah. You know you watch mm-hmm. it and you go like how they how they want to make this. Is is terrible and doesn't work, and they yeah. shouldn't work again. And you then can they absolutely, don't. so it's sort of you know you can it absolutely works. Imagine them watching the movie and going like this: just this thing that we've been trying has run its course. Yes, yes. and it's you know, and, in the same way that what's his name, Sean Connery, watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and went, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least Connery them... is Connery is is you know merely quote unquote an actor, and you know he, he ultimately has kind of. He has <laughs> he has stuff decided by by higher ups, whereas yeah. you know usually on on films the directors pick what they want to do, they do what they want to do, and they pick the cut of the thing they wanted to do. And then so you watch this and you go like, this this is what you wanted to to sort of to put to us. Like okay, you can't do this. You you shouldn't be allowed to do this. You don't do this anymore. And then they didn't. So you know this also the system works. It also does feel like <laughs> the kind of twenty eleven is kind of the end of. Nicolas Cage as a as a studio leading man. So in the, this is the year where it's Wikipedia. He's got five movies. He's got Season of the Witch, uh, which is underrated. <laughs> I would uh, recommend you seek that out. Uh, Drive Angry, which I remember you know kind of doing okay at the time. Then Seeking Justice and Trespass, which really do feel like red box movies, even though Trespass is Nick Cage and, Nick, and Nicole Kidman. Um, <laughs> and then and then this movie. And then you kind of look at his following years. It's uh, A Thousand Words, Stolen, um, he voiced in The Croods, The Frozen Ground, Joe. Uh, Joe is, a, you know, an indie hit, but it's kind of an outlier. And then in 2014 is the time, is, but, you know, by the time you get there, it really is, you know, broadly directed video shit rage outcast left behind dying of the light and i think it's you know aside for you know he will uh, you know because he because he has talent you know will pop up in something that's interesting but will is also doing the bruce willis thing of making you know five to six straight to video movies a year to pay off his I mean, taxes he's, he's had a little bit of a renaissance well and that's it and 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 it really feels like only in the last year or two has he as he started to have that you know that actual renaissance where people go oh maybe maybe well even then like it's not like he's starring in big movies but he's starring in interesting movies giving interesting performances yeah Whereas, yeah, whereas, like, like I say, and uh, I think this is probably the so. last, the last studio leading man role. Yeah, no one's inviting him back for Ghost Rider three. <laughs> no, but he okay. Nick Cage is incredible and will win. I would bet he'll win another two Oscars in his career. That's oh, I could, I say. could see, I could see one. I could see a like a, a late career like 
<laughs> I think he'll have a, like a plumber. Rena- I, I I just think. Yeah, I like. I, think I, I, I love. He's it. amazing. His career. His career is like is insane and amazing and. You know the the good and you know there aren't those sort of stories of him being an arsehole. He's clearly he's he's a nice guy and he he works really hard and he, he fucking goes for it in yeah. his movies. I, I'm just I'll put I'll bet right now. What's the timestamp? Right, twenty two forty three Wednesday the sixth October twenty twenty one. Nicholas Cage will win two more Oscars before he dies. <laughs> anyway, uh, and he is he is not the problem with this movie. He's no. fine. he's sort of okay no. in this movie. He's yeah. at times he's 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 weird and funny and but not so crazy that he's you know I think that. You Almost can... the, Nick, the, the Nick Cage thing, the Nick Cage attack of like, oh, he's just he's just sort of zany, uh, and which has been there for ages. It's it's uh, for for you know for sort of casual fans, you're like, oh, he just does the one thing. Like no, no, he just no, he no, that's not fair. He, he he goes for it in certain roles, but he goes for it usually in in uh, in in the right ways, right? He yeah. makes choices within the character, and this I do kind of buy. Just to, you know, even this shittily directed movie. I kind of see, I see this as this character as Johnny, you know, as Johnny Blaze, not as Nicolas Cage, as mm-hmm. just about a, a distinct character that he's playing. And, and, and go, this and going feels for it. like the performance that you that you should be throwing all of the weird shit as at because you're playing a fucking skull that sets on fire. And <laughs> and what what I like about Cage's performance in this. Um, you know, and I think actually the 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 best, the closest parallels I can draw are Tom Hardy um, Venom. Well, Tom Hardy Venom or or Halle Berry and Catwoman from our discussion earlier, mm. where <laughs> yeah. like she's, yeah. uh, you know, I I, I actually think uh, she's got more to work with uh, with that character there. Um, not yep. a lot more, but a bit more. But whereas Nicolas Cage, I just feel like he is going well. This makes sense for this character, and there's so little there on the, on the page for me. I'm just going to throw all of this shit at it, and I think it's telling that when he when the Ghost Rider is, you know, when it's when it's the Ghost Rider rather than Johnny Blaze, it's so boring. Yeah, but you know, but you can, t- but it's boring. But you can tell that that's Cage doing weird shit <laughs> doing the mocap i was doing about to weird shit in problem. mocap and you're like and i'm like oh god i would love to watch the you know the <laughs> the dailies from, from those scenes where i actually get to see what nicholas cage was doing with his face in in this scene because there's moments where he's you know he's about to suck up someone's soul and he's kind of like he's holding their head their head their head in his hand he's moving his head from side to side and you're like Oh, I bet he's doing the weirdest fucking gurning here. Or like when, when like at the end of the movie, after he wins and he just like pots his arm out, arms out in the desert, and you're like, I just want to see what Nicolas Cage is going through here because that's another thing about this film: the CG of the Ghost Rider is terrible. It's very bad. Yeah, you just that there has to be a version of Ghost Rider. I mean, I I never saw what Agents of Shield did with him, but there has to be a version of that CG where you can get some sense of character across, especially when you can kind of see that someone's doing something weird underneath it that that matches what he's doing in the rest of the movie, but we can't see it, so it just weirdly feels like the camera's lingering on the Ghost Rider for too long while the nothing's thing happening. In, in this one they they seem to really lean into the sort of skeletal aspect and they don't I feel like there's a way to make that skull more expressive than they do. I think Neville Dean and Taylor walked into this and went it's a heavy metal album cover, right? That's yeah. that's 
that's the movie we're making here. I mean, the score is basically... <gasps> Something badass is going to happen. Um, and that's that's it for the, the, the whole time. Uh, the music is yeah. by David Sardi. Um, I, I hope he similarly never worked again ever. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the score is as 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 bad as the direction, I, you know, and that and career-endingly bad. I, I think it's it's so dreadful. Uh, he um, on Zombieland, Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, uh, he, uh, he's a frequent frequent David Ayer collaborator. Yeah, end of yeah makes Sabotage sense. and Bright. Fine. <laughs> that, that checks out. Yeah. I don't agree that Cage. I don't agree. For me, the movie, the 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 the, the air came out of the balloon when. I think the first Ghost Rider sequence. I think we you know when he end, when he attacks uh, Carrigan, and we'll get to Carrigan. Jesus Christ, we'll get to <laughs> uh, fucking Edgar Ramirez, Kurt Russell. Ass, uh, I don't even know who that actor is. Anyway, he, anyway, uh, that but the first sequence of Ghost Rider when he attacks them, the movie was for me. The movie was that was it was done in that sequence because I couldn't. I'm so I was so eager to connect with. Nicholas Cage as a superhero, right? I hadn't seen the first one, but you know, you're aware. I'm a big Nicholas Cage fan. You're aware of all of the. You're aware all, you know, that he's of, in the Cinematic Universe Hall of Fame already, right? He's, the, he's kind of, he's, he's, <laughs> but he's also he's just in. He's just he's always he's 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 sort of in the in the history of superhero movies. He's this kind of parallel narrative. He's this almost guy, yeah. and you want you want I wanted to, I wanted to be watching a Nicholas Cage superhero film. But then that, for me, that first Ghost Rider sequence, I can't connect at all with that, with what I'm seeing on screen with Nicolas Cage. No, I completely agree with that. All I'm saying is you can see that Nicolas Cage is doing some weird shit. You just can't actually see what that weird shit is. <laughs> it's, com- it's completely hidden. And so, yeah, the, the Ghost Rider is... And, and, and in this movie, I couldn't get a sense of... Like they try and they try and do a bit of mythology stuff with the Ghost Rider and like, oh, he was actually so the Ghost Rider that inhabits Johnny Blaze is actually a, an angel who fell from heaven and then in was tortured in hell and driven mad and now he's yeah now he's like a an, an avenging soul sucking guy on earth. Um, but it 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 felt really muddy for me, like because the Ghost Rider didn't seem like he was just up for. He he did seem like you know, but in various scenes, like he was just doing what Nicolas Cage wanted, what what Johnny Blaze wanted, which that's not what he's supposed to be. Yeah, the 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 mythology of the Ghost Rider in this is is just nonsense uh, and. And 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 it do, it didn't seem like it would have taken that much to to clean it to just to just clean it up a little bit, right? Um, and the, I, th- I thought also thought you know again there's that sequence with the the first fight the movie was over for me, you know like his power set he sort of he's sort of crazy overpowered, and then he's crazy weak. <laughs> he's sort of like oh he can just sort yeah. of disintegrate people with a bash of the whip. That's like, the, disintegrate them, and right? that's the and same. Gets, that's the same thing for. Uh, Carrigan as well. No, but when when Carrigan gets when he becomes blackout and is able to um, uh, to make people decay and 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 fall into blackness. Similarly, he feels superly overpowered until he's not. But yeah, there's the bit. We'll skip to the very end. But like, like the, the the shot, 
you know, because it's sort of established that he touches people, they turn to ash. Fine, fine, fair enough. That's that's the power. It's 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 very powerful. But okay, you, that's what you want it to be. Fine. But then there's the bit at the end where he's you know he's touched after he's killed uh, El, uh, um, Moreau, Moreau, right? He's disappeared him, and then he's then he goes to he's fighting Johnny Blaze and he's touching him and he seems to be. First of all, his powers don't seem to be working as well on mm-hmm. Blaze, and then he's just got he's, he's just like holding he's just sort of holding his head, and then the you know Danny approaches and then the the, the power just goes away. Like I mean, I don't I don't I don't want like a I don't want to read a dossier on what these guys' powers are, but but just this doesn't make sense. And I'm give me I'm, I'm, give me a little bit a little bit movie. of consistency throughout the movie. Like why that like why is Carrigan important? Why why is Rourke? Uh, played by Kieran Hines in this movie. Uh, Reese, are you aware that Rourke is is Mephisto and is not played by Kieran Hines in the first movie? Uh, no and no. So Rourke in this movie <laughs> is the villain, which is what yeah, I knew that. Yeah, which which is what Kieran Hines is. Uh, you know, is broadly referred to in this movie as Rourke, uh, but he's essentially Mephisto. He is the character. Who who Johnny Blaze made the deal with in the first film to become the Ghost Rider? Except in that movie, it was Peter Fonda giving a completely okay. different performance, um, and they kind of they got Peter Fonda to be that's God, wow, okay, good. I mean, wow, that's that's amazing. Wow, what casting? Good you for should, them. You should go Goodness back. And, you should go back and watch the first movie, please, because Fonda, if fuck. there's if there's any point where the first Ghost Rider is going to feel like a masterpiece. It's, <laughs> it's right now. It's tonight. right now after having watched Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> um, yeah, but they call him Rourke in this, which I don't remember that being something that he was referred to in the first movie as at all. Um, was it, he called Mephisto? Was he actually referred to as Mephistopheles? Mephisto? Yeah, Mephistopheles, yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, the, the implication is that he's the same character. Um, uh, so he gives Kerrigan these powers. Like, Kerrigan dies... And then he gives him the powers of decay and darkness, and he comes back to life. And it's like, well, why? Why are you giving? Why are you giving this dude these powers? And like, surely if Carrigan's like, well, well, actually, why am I doing? Like, I've got all these powers now. Why am I still working for you? And you think, well, probably because Mephisto is gone. Well, you can't use these powers against me because I gave you them. But then the end of the movie seems to be like, yeah, well, you, Johnny Blaze, got his powers from the devil and he can do whatever the fuck he wants to <laughs> can we also just talk about for me the carrigan issue is is obviously it's the it's the sort of plotting and the you know it's te- it's te- terribly conceived but the performance is is all is all time bad i mean i, I know on the copies you don't we don't do a worst performance but that whoever that fucking guy is it's it's sort of I just felt like embarrassed every time he was on screen. I, I think, felt like I my think skin the was crawling. Every line he bad, was giving. but it would it would feel at home in like a movie like Electra. Like it's not it's not for me. No, sure, fine. for me yeah, it fine. wasn't horrendously worse than other stuff we've seen in these things. Um, he's an actor called Johnny Whitworth. He was in Game. Whit- Johnny Whit not worth and <laughs> damn. <laughs> Hot, yeah, hotline. I'll keep it in. I'll keep it in. I don't edit Reese. Keep it in. Good, good, good line. Keep I'm not in. too familiar with him. His other main credits: he was in Limitless, he was in Three Ten to Yuma. Um, but yeah, I don't think particularly notable actor. And yeah, he's bad in the first half of the movie, and then when he becomes he's worse in the blackout, half, he gets turned into like 
It's like you know the you know the prince in Hellboy Two. Hmm. It's like him mixed with Nickelback, <laughs> where he's got this pale white skin and blonde hair. But yeah, it looks looks like he's been rejected from not a heavy metal band, but like a a a, a band that's trying to approximate that kind of heavy metal stuff with none of the cred. And the scene in the the scene in the truck when he's eating the food, I mean, that was so uh, so stupid. <laughs> um, I, I think that's Neville and Taylor, right? That's them. Think yeah. the fact that that's ended up in the final cut of the movie. There's there's uh, stuff there's stuff the, like that and the pissing fire and the like little asides like that that feel like they are. Like you, you can almost tell, like this is word for word the script. This is this scene is entirely Neville Dean and Taylor. This scene is complete Nick Cage uh, improvisation, and they all <laughs> just get like splatted together. Um, and the the movie feels so disjointed because of it. And it's all bad. I think it's all bad. <laughs> and it's it's sort of juvenile. Like um, I, you feel like it's it's. These are these are funny jokes that they think are funny, and and but I guess for, I haven't seen the crank movies in in, in a while, but which are which are really fucking juvenile. But mm. um, that is that that is the like balls the wall tone of the entire film. So, right, so like, that's the yeah, script, it's... like that's the difference. Like it's not trying to be this weird sort of, you know, meditation about trying to save the soul of a child while also doing that. Yeah, terrible this, comedy. This also feels like one of the major miscalculations. Why are we putting a kid into the oh, sequel? The oh, don't, don't, uh, don't put a kid in the sequel. Don't do it. Just avoid avoid that temptation. Um, the worst thing for me, right, is that this kid is Dan Ketch, who is hmm. the ghostwriter that I grew up loving. Right? Is he Dan Ketch? Dan Ketch is the better ghostwriter of the two. But he's not. And... Is he? He's just. He's just a kid. In this movie, it's not Dan Ketch. It just has Dan Ketch's name. Yeah, it's it, one of the things that they don't really do in comic movies anymore, where they just like it happened a lot in the early noughties, where they would just go like, "Oh, we're going to do a nod to the fans," but actually, yeah. fuck what they want. Yeah, like, these days it's all like fan service, top to bottom. The one I always come back to is Amadeus Cho in The Incredible Hulk, yeah, <laughs> played quite, by Martin mm, Starr. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is. Um, that, this uh, was an actor, uh, Fergus Reardon. Um, he um, had been in like four or five things by this point and has one credit after um, Ghost Rider. Brutal. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's particularly bad. It is just, a, and he's certainly not the worst example of the kind of, you know, the kid that you throw into the, like it, it does actually, you know, the more I think about it, this this film is not a million miles away from a lecture, is it? You know, <laughs> like it feels to me like it sits like as a piece with Electra and Logan, and it's just that Logan's the one that does this story Logan. right. Mm. Mm. But yeah, so so uh, Danny is uh, it, it has been born of a deal with the devil himself. Uh, uh, Danny's mum, Nadia Ketch, uh, played by uh, Violenta. Violenta Placido, who um, was having a moment because she had the previous year been in the uh, George Clooney starring movie The American, uh, directed by Anton Corbin. Um, And this was kind of like a big American movie Mm. coming off of that. 
Um, and that's that's again. It's this is kind of it for her as a as a you know as having any any Hollywood potential. She um, killed a lot of careers. She goes. She goes. She goes. She goes. She goes back to Italy after this. Um, and and then yeah, we we've also got Idris Elba as Moreau. Well, Moreau. I am Idris Elba. I, I am French in this movie. I oh. don't know why why that accent was allowed. <laughs> it why? is because it's, it's not a it's not a real it's not a comics character, right, James? Or it's, it's definitely yeah, one, no. not one I've heard of. So why couldn't they just have made him a Cockney? Why? Like, you know, it just is, it just is making the, you know, it's a, a rod for them. Or you know, or, or equally, with, right? you know, but, he's got a really solid American accent. So just use that. Right. Um, yeah, because this crazy. is quite early in his career, right? This is he was on the wire, right? At this point, has uh, the wire finished by now? Yeah, um, must have I think this is kind of you know in the in the it, the like the the early on in the movie star career, but it's probably around mm. the same time as Thor. Actually, in fact, yeah, it's the same year as Thor. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, this this is when he's having his crack at um, at movie stardom. Um, and you know, it's long term. It's worked out for him. Um, but yeah, I've got this... to say, I think he's one of the better actors in the movie. But it's a low bar. It's just a. It, it's a very weird character. My memory of this movie, so I was waiting for a twist that never came, was that he was secretly the villain. I was thinking that as well. <laughs> I wonder yeah. what we're remembering. Um, Maybe just a the obvious movie. way the script should have gone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because and, and and his role in the movie feels like it could be completely excised from that. You know, and this is a ninety-five minute movie. There isn't like you know, you shouldn't be able to write the third lead of the movie out of the whole thing. Um, but so he is a French monk who has got this connection with this group of uh, this uh, this group of monks. Um, the leader of whom is Christopher Lambert. Which I had no idea right. while watching the movie that this was Christopher Lambert. Um, Anthony Head best is also in the best best performance in the movie. I, I think really I, I, that was for me. I mean, very low bar. Well, I guess no. Nick Cage is Cage. One, it's Cage. He was. He at least sold me on. You meet him. He's got these weird tattoos. I did. I did clock it was Christopher Lambert. But he seems, you know, he's um, benevolent. But but then when he, when it turns, it makes sense. Like you know, that, 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 there was an internal consistency to that character. Uh, just about okay. Just just about <laughs> just finding something to praise. <laughs> yeah, fine. Um, and yeah, so Moreau is, uh, yeah, he's he's part of this secret religious organization who uh finds out of a dan brown novel yeah he he finds johnny blaze and is like look i need you to help me because there's this kid he's the son of the devil and you know he's gonna and we need we need to protect him we need to stop him from from getting to his dad but then actually the the what with the twist at the end of the movie is that the order of monks are actually like no let's just kill the let's just kill the kid because it's safer to just kill him than risk getting his get the than risk Mephisto getting his hands on him. Um, it's another weird thing about this movie that the whole plot is around like, oh, we can't allow this person to become so powerful. And you're like, yeah, but we've seen the first movie and we've seen like what, you know, what he's doing in the movie. He seems really fucking powerful already. 
Yeah. Um, I, like, what, what, what are we at risk of here? Is it just the kid? Because they don't do enough work with the kids so for you to be like, oh no, the kid must not die. Like, if he'd been decapitated in that scene, I'd have been like, no one likes to see a kid die, but I don't, you know. If I had <laughs> it, it to, pick, of the devil. If, I, if I had to pick one, it would be the son of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also not. It's also not. It's not clear enough to me, at least. Watch, having not watched the first one, that he has the powers of the Ghost Rider. In, you know, in this or, or doesn't. Or when you say we saw in the first how powerful he got, I just couldn't. I couldn't have told you during this what the threat is from from that from the from the kid. I, well, that wasn't clear. To oh, me. not the kid. Sorry, I'm saying yeah. the the threat of the threat of Mephisto. Um, oh, oh, fine. Yeah, fine. Well, it's, I guess similarly, similarly, having not watched the first film, yeah. that that threat that threat wasn't. I I wasn't. I didn't get a feeling of that. Like, what what exactly is going to happen if uh, Rourke or Mephisto or Kieran Hines? It's or, just going to be the devil in a, young, in a younger body, which it's implied. Oh, in give the, a shit. It, I don't know. It's implied cares, in the movie that he's been the devil in a younger body. A bunch of times, right. sure. Um, so, so who cares? Right. Yeah, um, and and then yeah, Idris Elba is kind of around for the entire movie. He shows the Ghost Rider a way to get to get. He shows Johnny Blaze a way to get rid of the Ghost Rider, which is basically eat a bit of bread and go lie down in a cave. <laughs> it's it's weirdly tossed off in the middle of the movie, which again was like feeding into my theory that no 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 Idris Elba is the real villain of this movie, and yeah. he's and he's because obviously Johnny's not going to be able to get rid of the Ghost Rider in a Ghost Rider movie that doesn't happen. Another another um, sec another comic book movie sequel where the hero loses their powers for a stretch. Um, and yeah, I was like, oh, surely, surely Idris has sold him a bill of goods here. But no, he hasn't. He's completely on the level. And, and then at the end, um, Carrigan shows up and uses his decay powers on Moreau. And you're like, oh, well, what's the twist going to be here? And Moreau, like, headbutts him with his decayed head, but the head just explodes and that's it. And you're like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. Moreau, Moreau does nothing. He's, you know, has no impact against the the villains at the end. Zero. Yeah. Nothing. Does nothing. The only thing he's done is taken away Ghost Rider's powers, which he, which Ghost Rider pretty quickly goes, oh no, I, I, I wanted those powers though. So, so, so Moreau. I mean, nothing. And, the, I mean, and in the action sequences that he's present in, does nothing. You know, sort it, of just drives around a fucking bit. In the has a French accent. In the, the logic hell? of those characters, right? For, yeah. and, and given what they're going through. Moreau could be like, hey, Johnny, um, I think I know a way for you to get rid of the Ghost Rider, but I really feel like you're going to need the powers of the Ghost Rider to defeat the devil. So <laughs> should we go defeat the devil and then we'll get rid of your powers tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> and that sequence, that, that, God, fuck, that sequence between the two of them in the, in the cave. In the wine cellar. It, it, it goes on for, I think, I didn't check my watch, but I think for two and a half hours, I think. This, I, 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 didn't, I didn't check my watch. This but wine like, is 500 years old, and this wine costs $9,000. And Nicholas Cage goes, oh, it feels like this bread's been out for a while. Like, yeah. oh, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> and it was, it was never, never the entire like, oh, this is so... For me, this I haven't, I haven't. This whole film, I I was thinking in their heads. I was thinking like they were thinking like, oh, this is so fucking punk. Oh my god, yeah, it's yeah. so cool and punk. We're being so cool and edgy. Whoa, playing like air guitars. 
yeah. in the in the uh, video village, and and then you watch the movie, and you guys like this. Is, this is so embarrassing that you think you think any of this is like cool and punky. This is like just so boring and shitty, and I hate I hate you. Can people. I um? Can and I talk about my, I did that. Can I talk about my favorite moment in the movie? Uh, oh, yeah, fine. Uh, and a moment that I so I, I saw this movie in cinemas. I haven't seen it since then. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, bear in mind this movie. Co- this movie comes out in December two thousand eleven, which is, um, you know, like uh, I would say, like two thousand eight to two thousand and twelve, thirteen is like my peak of watching movies in the cinema because I'm young. I have no responsibilities. I have a Cineworld Unlimited card. And um, and I'm a, a, a you know I become a film critic who's able to go to press screenings and stuff. I saw about you know 200 movies in a cinema per year, right? Like that. <laughs> I literally brought I I brought you up yesterday. This is true. Yesterday to a colleague of mine at work, I brought you up. Uh, I didn't use your name, but I brought you up generically as like sure. my freak friend who, when <laughs> you were you know in our early twenties, this 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 motherfucker would see like every wanted to see every film release. In yeah. The so I um, so when I was at uni, this guy's a freak. Uh, there was there was a year at uni where I had <laughs> love you, buddy. I had like I think it was like I had Wednesdays with no lectures, so I just used to turn up at Cineworld at ten thirty in the morning and just figure out what I could see in a row. Uh, and you know, like in the sh- in the smallest period of time that I could see the most movies, um, and there was one day where I'm fairly sure I saw, um, I think maybe maybe a Night at the Museum sequel straight into the Hannah Montana movie <laughs> at like midday on a Wednesday. Um, I definitely one day went and saw the, in talking of Nick Cage, the animated Astro Boy movie. Um, and I was the only person in the cinema. Um, that's the only time that that's happened to me where it hasn't been like orchestrated that, you know, I can have like a, a screening to myself. Uh, that, uh, yeah, so I saw I saw a whole lot of shit on my own. And like I said, I was actually, I was hyped for this movie because I was like the crank director's. Doing uh, doing Ghost Rider, Nicolas Cage being let off the leash. This is going to be great. So my favorite mo- my favorite moment in this movie, which I burst out loud laughing when it happened, was oh, what's it going to be? Oh, what's it going to be? Is it when he transforms the truck into the fire? No, the, the film yeah. okay. is the film. Uh, so again, it's barely in the script, but it feels like it needs to be a pivotal part of this movie. Is that Johnny Blaze? pretty immediately forms this very protective father-like relationship over uh, Danny. And because otherwise, why does it... Like, Johnny Blaze shouldn't really fucking care. Yeah. No. Um, and, and so, that like, you can see Nicolas Cage stretching, and, you, and I was like, I'm watching this, I'm like, this is definitely Cage on set. They're sat at this table in the diner, and... Danny sat there looking sad and and he reaches forward as if to like just give him like a comforting stroke on the face. And understandably the kid is like, The fuck are you doing? And Kate just goes, Oh um a bee. I thought you had a a bee on your face. <laughs> it's just like this What the fuck is Cage doing? That's wonderful. <laughs> I feel like I was like in stitches it because at that by that point in the movie as well. I was pretty clear that I was watching an utter piece of shit. And like, <laughs> at least in that moment, I was like, oh, thank Christ for moments where Cage is being weird. 
Um, so, and, and and yeah, and there are there are that is in the movie. You know, you got the got that weird sequence with the nurse in the hospital. Oh that's God, weird, that's a weird. I was, but I was trying not, to flirt. Yeah, that's. But it's kind of. I think what's what the only reason that sequence works is because you know because probably maybe on the page or Neville the Antenna were like, oh no, you know, no, hey Nicholas Cage, no, you really want, you're gonna really gonna fuck this this nurse? And like, no, no, I'm a freak, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just like I'm gonna relate to her freakily, and that's what I'm gonna play. And so, and, and I think it does kind of work. It doesn't it doesn't come across as weird. It come across as just he's crazy. Um, um, and then there's the there's the bit when he's um, he's going, you know, he's going kind of really really kind of angry at the at um, what's the character's name? You know, the the the, the, the source. You know, at the, at the nightclub, they're trying, trying to find out where where Danny's been taken. Like that's that's a fun oh, yeah. scene because he's just. Because you know he's he's playing into and, you know, and, and part of the reason I thought it would be fun to cover this film, uh, or, or personally I thought it might be interesting to look at this film now, is because because that Venom two or Venom link, right? And that, that, I think there's some stuff there. There's some kind of connective t- tissue there. These movies do slightly talk to each other. There's mm-hmm. something about the way Johnny Blaze, Nicholas Cage as Blaze in this relates to his Ghost Rider, you know, in a in a being that links to how. Tom Hardy as uh, Eddie Brock kind of relates to Venom, and so there's, yeah, there's a and, bit of that. In this and there film. is, I mean, a bit a, of that. I you know haven't seen Venom two yet, but the reviews seem to be suggesting that the weird shit that Tom Hardy was doing in the first movie, they've just let it off the leash in the second movie. And Fantastic. The, and well, and and the reviews seem to be split on whether that is you know <laughs> g- genius, and that's what they definitely should have done, or whether that is whoa like that was fine in small bursts but come on <laughs> and yeah I, I you know I, I i don't think this is a good performance from nicholas cage because it's 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 not but what i do what i do respect is the effort that he's putting in and he feels mm. and it feels like it feels like the effort that he puts in and I, and i do think this about him as an actor in general is he, he he puts it across with kind of like no sense of ego and no sense of look. No, no. It doesn't feel like a weird Jared Leto performance, you know, no, right? Where he's no. going, look at me and looking how much I'm putting myself out there. It just goes mm. like, he's he's just fucking trying. Whereas, mm. you know, I think that the directors are throwing a lot out there, um, but they're throwing it out there in in a way that comes across as, look how edgy and cool we are. Yeah, can we can we talk? I agree with you fully on Cage. Can we talk briefly about? I, I had such frustration with the. Um, do you say the character's name was Blackout? I don't know where you've gotten that from. Yeah, but, okay, Blackout. Fine. Uh, the, the Wikipedia. Yeah, from, <laughs> from the credits. I've I just found those sequences so frustrating, and there, there were like three of them, I think, to memory, and I watched the movie three hours ago. But like the the. And, you know, and 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 people criticise modern block action blockbuster directors or modern blockbuster action films, you know, often about quick cuts. You can't really see what's going on. You know, that's that is a common criticism. So much For me, this fucking is, speed ramping. No, sure, you get the speed ramping, but also, particularly with those sequences towards the end, you you get this. They, you know, they do this black and white filter, and they kind of do this like tight focus on you. You like you genuinely can't. It's, it's as though the directors. They don't want you to, you know, their intention is for you to not see what's happening. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so there's that bit where, you know, then it ends with him, you know, he's he's attacking the um, the priests that are trying to kill uh, Danny, right? That, that sequence. 
Um, and then it ends with this like quite interesting tableau of all of the kind of like almost Pompeii like kind of you know dust figures of all the priests right yeah. that which is that's quite an interesting visual but the sequence that that, that precedes it is it's 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 genuinely impenetrable you cannot you cannot understand you cannot no. track at all what's happening and and that's it's so frustrating and that you know it seems, it seems it's, so needless it's frustrating because like on on the face of it a character who can cause decay you're like okay let me watch that and let me watch the different fun variations on that maybe but this whole movie has a real vibe to me of uh you know just looking at the budgets for the two movies the first movie is reported at costing 110 million right and it and Mm -hmm. it it doubled that budget at the box office um this movie is reported as having a budget of between 57 and 75 million uh which to me suggests maybe it was an ounce of a 75 million budget and it and it actually came in at 57 who knows um and again it kind of doubled its budget okay it made 132 at the box office you know this wasn't a disaster but this has such a feel of a movie to me where neville dean and taylor were in an office and they were like do you want a marvel movie because uh, we need someone who can bring it in for this amount of money and they went yeah yeah, we, we can do that. You know, we've made the Crank movies for cheaper than that. We just need to do a bit of CGI on top of it. Fine. Um, and, you know, I can imagine that that was, all right, okay, how do we do this cheap? All right, we give him the darkness powers as well. Cool. Yeah, okay, let's do that. And we don't, and we don't show it. We barely show it. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah, so we, we, will, we just, we, we show it once at the start and then kind of imply it after that. But if they had shown it, I mean, the CGI in this movie is rotten, so... <laughs> yeah you just yeah I, you know i, I there's, they're just that them that i haven't seen the first one to be fair but i just feel like there's a good ghostwriting movie that that, that should exist <laughs> that should exist <laughs> the first it's a good character the visual think, okay. is interesting the first is significantly there's... better than this sure, significantly sure. better but still not great no the thing the thing for me right is that i was thinking about this like the ghostwriter comics that i love tend to fall into two categories like one the the ones that were really popular in the 90s and hard as it may be to believe ghost rider was one of marvel's top characters in the 90s like literally one of their best-selling characters um you you go you go back to the venom the venom comparison right like there's something in this character that's in the venom that's connected with the 90s audience that you know (laughs) perhaps connects still today there's something there's something there you may remember reese there was a a joke where they for one issue marvel replaced the fantastic four with their top selling characters and those characters were spider-man the incredible hulk yeah 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 yeah, it was good issue (laughs) (laughs) i definitely read that it was fun yeah and like the version of ghost rider that i love the 90s one tended to be more of a police procedural where there was this sort of demonic character walking around who could ascertain and interrogate people's guilt through, you know, his sort of demonic powers. Hmm. And I really liked that kind of urban fancy version. Likewise, you get the Jason Aaron version, which leans hard into the demonic mythology. You have, you know, ghost riders from the past riding like elephants, like flaming elephants and stuff. Like... They, he set up, you know, multiple Ghost Riders from across history. That stuff's good too. And, you know, doing it as a big sort of epic battle between heaven and hell fantasy. Those are the two versions of Ghost Rider that really work. The ones that have ended up on screen are just kind of... They go back to these weird, like, 
the first one's this weird sort of Americana tint fringe stuff where it's as if he's like almost a kind of demonic cowboy type character. Like he's a lone, a lone rider who, you know, haunts the Midwest, which is, it's nothing that's ever really worked in the comics. So I'm not sure quite where they got it from. I think it mostly owes to the character's popularity with bikers. Like the fact that he turns on tattoos and stuff. Mm. Um, and for, to be honest, most of this one feels like they went, we can afford to shoot in Romania. How do we write that story? <laughs> so like, I just, I feel like there's a good Ghost Rider movie somewhere, but neither of these films really shoots for it. Um, I think we should draw things to a close then. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about as much as Ghost Rider. Has been. That's That's got to be more than anyone on this planet has <laughs> talked about that movie since it came out. <laughs> okay, the last thing I want to say, if, if, we're, if it's the last words, I thought it was really cool and unexpected when he made the um, the, fork, the, the the sort of the crane turn into a Ghost Rider. That would be cool. <laughs> That was, I did not expect that. That was cool. I like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, there you go. More of that. More of that. You know, because that's, that's, there's, I felt, I felt like Jason Aaron, I think, did like, had fun with that yeah. idea mm-hmm. of like the ghost, the ghost rider. He's not a biker. He's just a, it just happened yeah, that Blaze was a biker and Ketch was a biker. Yeah. His vehicle becomes, um, becomes ghost rided. And, 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 uh, and even Jason Aaron in recent uh, Avengers comics, he's like, He's he, there was a, a like a you know Ghost Rider is one of the Avengers in in his Avengers run and I felt like some of the some of the arcs have moments where like oh the, this this eternal this uh this this um corpse of an eternal has become a Ghost Rider and that's cool that that sort of shit is really cool uh, Ghost Rider is cool he's he's cool as hell more Ghost Rider <laughs> not wanna... less. I want more to, fucking Ghost Rider. I don't know. I hope this doesn't ruin your pitch, but I want to pitch a Ghost Rider miniseries where he just goes to a theme park. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because there's the line in the movie, right? Like, what happens when he goes on a, on a, on a ride? Oh. Yeah, let's see it. Great. That's I can see yeah. it. I, no, I've got a different pitch. I'm not so friggin' basic. <laughs> I've got a pitch. Okay. I've got a pitch. So that was Ghost Rider, the spirit of vengeance. Um, not the spirit. Hold on. Wait, no, wait. Wait, take that again. Take Shit. that again. Wait, no, everything has a dirt in front of it, doesn't it? Not, no, not in, uh, not, not in 2011. Not in 2011, no, we didn't have definite articles then. Yeah, Ghost Rider, Spirit thing. of Vengeance. <laughs> they should do a, they should do a new, their first, the first MCU Ghost Rider movie should be called The, the Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider, the Spirit, colon, yeah. the Spirit <laughs> of Vengeance. Uh, <laughs> riding, colon, riding home. <laughs> sure. Origins. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're past origins. I think we've got we've yeah. got past that. Um, okay, Reese, what what are we uh, pitching this week? Okay, fine. Um, so, James, you'll be aware that Ghost Rider is it's quite a a good and fun team up character in the comics over the yeah. years, particularly in the nineties. So, I want you to uh, pitch me a because um, what's the really famous one with, with Wolverine? Is it some, something Avengers? Is it Axe of Vengeance? Uh, oh, good question. Yeah. No, you know the um, one thing, right? Anyway, yeah. good comic. Read it, audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but but I'd like you to pitch me um, a current MCU uh, Ghost Rider team up movie 
but it's the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider. So it's sort of a movie where Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider teams up with, a, you know, an existing MCU character for a, a team-up movie. And I'm going to go to Joey, Joseph Cunningham, first, please. <laughs> okay, so it's Howard the Duck. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm seeing six episodes on Disney+. Oh, it's Plus. a show? Okay, yeah, fine. I think Howard finally makes his way down to Earth, and um, I, I, I'm putting Leah Thompson in it. I think that we, we retcon that this is the original Howard, that, you know, this is the same Howard the Duck, that he's already been to Earth, he went through the adventures of that movie, he got sent back to space, caught in the collector's collection, he's back, he's reading me with Leah Thompson, except this time there's a Ghost Rider. Uh, who, who voices Howard the Duck? Oh, it has to. It's, it's the MCU, isn't it? So it has to be Seth Green, I think. Okay. You don't, you don't, you, so it, we don't have a choice in it. It's an established MCU character. So it's, it's MCU. It's, it is Seth Green as CGI Howard the Duck, but also it is Leah Thompson yeah. as Leah Thompson. Plus, no, no, not as Leah Thompson right as, okay. as a character. From... No, fine, fine. Oh, what if she's uh, Leah Thompson? Yeah. No, I get. I like that. <laughs> And and sorry, what are they like? Give me episode, pitch me episode three. Um, uh, they they're investigating different cases of the week. That's a uh, yeah. How Howard's okay. Howard's a Howard's a uh, Howard Howard's a PI, right? <laughs> and like, because I'm pretty sure he's isn't he a PI in the Zadarsky comic? Yeah, yeah. So how is a PI, and he hires Ghost Rider uh, to to be his kind of like nighttime emissary to try to to you know <laughs> dig out the dirt on the on the underbelly of the of the Marvel universe. <laughs> okay, fine. I made, it, uh, I made it up as it went along. I googled Marvel characters <laughs> with vehicles, and honestly, <laughs> when you said it had to be MCU, I was devastated because I've just read about a character <laughs> called Big Wheel. Who looks big like he's wheel. a? Yeah. looks like he's a big wheel. He and is. He rides around in a giant wheel. So I, I would have, <laughs> if it hadn't been MCU, that's the direction I would have gone in. <laughs> My just, Fine. just on the a brief diversion. There's uh-huh. a Ghost Rider character, a villain called the Orb, who yeah. um, <laughs> Jason Aaron likes. Yeah. Who is just is like Ghost Rider attracts these kind of weird demon characters, and whenever the Orb shows up, he's always like. He's just got a giant eyeball for a head, and when Jason Aaron has him turn up, he's always trying to get more more eyeballs. <laughs> There's a really funny comic where he turns up in a Hulk comic, and Hulk's like, "Why are you robbing this bank?" And he's like, "I need more eyes to defeat Ghost Rider." <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny scene. <laughs> okay, I've 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 been delighted by your example, but I'm afraid the pitch still. Hangs in the balance, James. So, okay, tell me. No, jo- sorry, jo- actually, Joe's was awful. Uh, the bar is, is crushing no, you. Down. It's an open uh, you could basically say, "Oh, it's Ghost Rider. He's hanging out with like a uh, this sentient banana called like, no, like fuck off. Ralph." You would know. watch a TV show when Nicolas Cage hangs out with Howard the Duck. You would. Yeah, but I'll, I'll yes, but I'm not the I'm I'll watch anything. No, you I'll are the target that. audience for this because hey, you this you make MC... the decision. <laughs> <laughs> this is an MCU show where you just watch like I don't know, you know, uh, Iron Patriot take a dump uh, for for forty five minutes. That's oh, not yeah, sounds I'll good fight. to me. That's not as good as. <laughs> 
Nicholas Cage hanging out with Listen, James. I'm, James, I'm going to come in pitch? with an actual pitch. So, well, you've had 20 my... minutes to think about it, so <laughs> yeah, because you wouldn't stop. Ooh, let me you take you... your own grave on that one. <laughs> let me tell you about James, this other James, thing James. That I read in a comic. Yo, shut my up, shut up. James, my uh, pitch is it's a Ghost Rider and Spider Man team up based on the notion that Spider Man is a character who is powered by guilt. And Ghost Rider is a character who uses people's guilt to punish them. And I think, attracted by Spider-Man's guilt over letting his mentor, Tony Stark, die, um, Ghost Rider turns up in New York to fight Spider-Man. But while they're there, they encounter Venom. And ultimately, Ghost Rider and Spider-Man team up to fight Venom. Sounds venom? sounds clever. Uh, hold on. Sounds Which clever. Venom? Sounds thematically relevant. Ooh, but yeah. also sounds really fucking boring. It's not Nicolas Cage hanging out with a duck, is it? Yeah, it's Nicolas Cage hanging out with Tom Holland. Yeah, Why did I do for Tom Holland? Not as good. Which, Which venom? Which venom? Obviously, Tom Hardy. Yeah, you win. You win. The, you win the pitch. Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's amazing. Now, what I would say, to be fair to Joe, Joe's uh, idea was terrible, but James was like, <laughs> kind of. It was like boring adjacent. It was sort of yeah. it was so. Ob- yeah. I think. Yeah, I think come it- on, what what have the Spider-Man movies been if not boring adjacent? <laughs> and, yet, and yet they make a lot of money and everyone loves them. Yeah. If these pictures ever, if these pictures are ever, if the winning pitch is ever an actual movie that the MCU or D- or Disney or um, DC or whatever would actually make, then I think you know the system of this the system is broken. Our system is broken. It has to be. Uh, has to be kind of kind of quirky and crazy. Here's what here's what I think, and I, I this has to have happened in the comics at some point. But I want to see a future MCU movie where uh, the Ghost Rider rides Silver Surfer's board. That's definitely <laughs> that's fine. That has absolutely happened, yeah. right, James? Right? I but can't it, think of when it would have. But it's like the Silver Surfer gets to Earth, and they they're, Cosmic Ghost Rider. And they're like, right? we need to. Why don't right? we? Why don't we yeah. send? Why don't we send someone back to really fuck up Galactus? And they're like, someone get the Ghost Rider. Yeah, admittedly, that's, that's the Donny Cates comic. The comic Ghost, Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. That's so the Donny Cates. That is the Donny Cates yeah, comic. Anyway, that's great. Yeah. Comics are good. Movies are good. Uh, podcasts are good. This, um, but this movie bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This this movie bad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so that is it for Cinematic Universe this week. Um, you can find more content at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Uh, we've just finished our What If series. Um, so yeah, we've, 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 if you want to go back and listen to the archive, we've got all of our What If episodes in there. We uh, have got six weeks of episodes before we get mm-hmm. to Hawkeye. We've got some fun stuff planned. Uh, we've announced like that what? on the Patreon. So you go over to the Patreon and find out what we're going to talk we're talking about. Fine. We are, though, I will tell you, we're going to be talking some Hawkeye comics. I think you know Ooh. Think you know which ones. So listeners, um, you, should, you should come and read along That's with us for that. Um, <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, then subscribe on your podcast app of choice or leave us a rating. That would be nice as long as it's a good one. If not, fuck off um if you want to get in touch with us on twitter we are at cine underscore verse i'm joe cunningham 14 and james is james hunt and reese is at reese uh you can email us um at podcast at cinematicuniverse.com we will be back in a couple of weeks uh, we've already said what we'll be covering but wait around until after the credits here what we'll be covering anyway thanks for listening and we will see you next time goodbye goodbye
back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. I miss you so much. Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks' time with Venom. Let there be carnage already. Do the voice. Do the, you can do the voice. That, this is funny when you do the voice. That, you have to do the voice. That, that's a Please. that's a Woody Harrelson quote. <laughs> do the fucking Venom voice. Do, do, do his voice. Do Woody you Harrelson. Do, you you can do the well, well that fine. Whatever. Do some voices. Do multiple voices. Do the Venom voice. Uh, wait. Let me find a Venom quote. Uh, Bad boy, Eddie. Just do do one of those. You can do it. That's Yoda. You can do it. <laughs> that was Yoda. It's the same. Eddie, we should be out there snacking. That's um, Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. <laughs> I can't actually remember what he sounds like. It's like Cookie Monster. I'm a loser too, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This yeah, is actually cool. going yeah, But leave it all in. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.